had to prepare a short talk it's about Jesus, so it was a difficult one, as you can imagine. But I sometimes wonder why the name of Jesus is a swear word or blasphemy. Why has such a beautiful name been used in vain? Why is it allowed to be said on television while other words are not? Some say it would be Satan working to belittle God's son, making the name Jesus obsolete. Yet if you take Christ out of Christmas, you're left with mass. Do you know there's more proof that Jesus Christ existed than that of Julius Caesar? And yet we have no doubt that he existed. And you don't hear people say, oh, Julius or Caesar. I also wonder why people see Christianity as something to avoid. To not even talk about it even. Growing up, many of you, like I, were told not to talk about religion or politics. But someone did talk to me about Jesus. And my eyes were opened, and I allowed Jesus to enter into my heart. Suddenly, I saw everything in color. I had compassion, love. I had a heart for injustice, a desire to be like Jesus, to know him, to follow him and his teaching to be his hands and his feet. I wanted to be in church with others who followed him too. I yearned for Sundays and fellowship. I longed to hear people's testimonies of how they met with Jesus. And I read copious books of famous people who accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior to the point of owning their testimony. Scripture tells us if we want to know God the Father, then look at Jesus. And we will see what he is like. We have our Bibles to read about Jesus, Jesus and see all the good things he did and the way he responded to situations. This morning, I'm going to tell you another way to see what Jesus was like. Many of you will guess what I'm going to say next. Watch The Chosen. If you've not heard of it, The Chosen, you can find on YouTube or even on their own website. It's a fantastic depiction of Jesus and the stories that we all know, but seen in a different light. You won't see a, a solemn Jesus like Robert Powell played in Jesus of Nazareth, or a bloody Jesus in Mel Gibson's The Passion. Interestingly, Jim, I can't pronounce his name, Cavazil, who played the part of Jesus in The Passion, not only shared his same initials, but he was 33 when filming, which was interesting. But for Jesus, in his 33 years of life on this earth, Jesus Christ became the saviour to many, but also a troublemaker to others. He became their healer of body, mind, and spirit, but to others, a troublemaker. He became a peacemaker to those who followed him, and those who didn't. He was a troublemaker. Why was he so misunderstood? Why was he rejected? Why do people ignore him now and see him as an inconvenience? Fear is one answer. Ignorance, another. Apathy appears here too. 
but it's also because we too are fearful to talk about Jesus. We would rather be people, we would rather people be ignorant rather than share with them and face possible rejection. And perhaps we are apathetic ourselves. But don't worry, this is not going to be a bar humbug talk. So let's look a little bit into the life of Jesus. But before we do, I'm going to read you some words written by Charles Dickens to his children. He says, My dear children, I'm very anxious that you know something about the history of Jesus Christ. But everybody ought to know about him. No one ever lived who was so good, so kind, so gentle, and so sorry for all people who did wrong, or were in any way ill or miserable as he was. And as he is now in heaven, where we hope to go, and all to meet each other after we are dead, and there be happy always together, you never can think what a good place heaven is without knowing who he was and what he did. The last page in this book ends with this. Remember, it is Christianity to do good. Always even to those who do evil to us. It is Christianity to love our neighbor as ourself and to do to all men as we would have them do to us. It is Christianity to be gentle, merciful, and forgiving and to keep those qualities quiet in our own hearts and never make a boast of them or of our prayers or out of love of God but always to show that we love him by humbly trying to do right in everything. If we do this and remember the life and lessons of our Lord Jesus Christ and try to act upon them, we may confidently hope that God will forgive our sins, our mistakes, and enable us to live and die in peace. I didn't know Charles Dickens had a faith, but it's a lovely book, loads of stories that he shared with his children. In previous weeks, Mike shared a little bit about Jesus' childhood. Scripture goes from the birth to age 12 in the temple. And how he worked alongside Joseph as both a carpenter and builder. And then we go from teenager to adult life before commencing his ministry, age 30. And that's where I begin. His first miracle was at a wedding feast in Cana, Galilee, turning water into wine. Now that's going to get a lot of attention and not all positive. After the wedding, Jesus, his mother Mary, and the disciples traveled to Jerusalem to the Passover, where it was at the temple where merchants were selling and money changers prevented people from worshiping God. So in a rare rage, of, this, of anger, Jesus overturned the tables, declaring, this is not a house for merchants. Again, possibly not possible positive feedback to many. 
Matthew, Luke, and John inform us that Jesus traveled through Judea and Galilee using parables and miracles to explain how the prophecies were being fulfilled and that the kingdom of God was near. As the word spread of his teaching and healing the sick and diseased, more people began to follow him. It was in the Sermon on the Mount where he taught of the Beatitudes, or the beautiful attitudes, which encapsulate many of the spiritual teachings of love, humility, and compassion. Over the next three years, Jesus continued his teaching to the disciples, demonstrating love, acceptance, and forgiveness, healing the sick, the blind, raising Lazarus from the dead, closely watched by religious leaders and Pharisees who saw him as a threat. By the third Passover, the priests and Pharisees, fearful of the growing public adoration, paid Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, great numbers took palm branches and greeted him at the city's gate entrance, praising him as the son of David, as the son of God. Enough, felt the priests and Pharisees. This man must be stopped. It was at the Last Supper that Jesus foretold his betrayal by one of the disciples, that Peter would deny him, but left us with the act of communion in bread and wine, signifying a covenant between God and humankind. Afterwards, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, but the disciples kept falling asleep. And it happened. Judas, along with soldiers and officials, appeared, and Jesus was betrayed by a kiss. While the disciples were hiding, Jesus was taken to the high priest and interrogated. He was hit and spat upon for not responding. Peter, watching at a distance, denied knowing Jesus. Then the impossible happened. After a bit of toing and froing, Jesus was crucified between two thieves, with his body taken to a nearby tomb. After three days, the impossible happened again. Jesus had risen from the dead and appeared first to Mary Magdalena and then to his mother, Mary. Later, he appeared to the disciples, telling them to not be afraid, to preach the good news that death had been defeated. And so the disciples preached the good news that sins can be forgiven if we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that eternal life is for those who believe, and that we can be restored back into a relationship with God. And since those days, nearly 2,000 years ago, Christians have told that same story to anyone who will listen. And Christians worldwide have continued in Jesus' teaching of love, acceptance, and forgiveness to all who welcome the good news. Christians worldwide have continued his work by healing, by building hospitals and sending medical staff through far-off places, and building schools for education to those who in the world would remain uneducated. 
provided moral teaching in a world which has forgotten what is right and wrong. And as J. John would say, we are part of a global enterprise which helps with behavioral alterations. We also help with marriage guidance. We've opened orphanages, opened food banks. In fact, the church helps those from birth to death, all because of Jesus Christ. Not a swear word to us, but a friend, a savior, a king. Paul writes in Colossians 1, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood on the cross. So come, let us worship him, Christ the Lord. <laughs>